My name is Stephen, and my quote is, the players are ready, the stage is set, we come to dance the dance of death from the Harlequins. My name is Matt, and prayer cleanses the soul, pain cleanses the, cleanses the body, an imperial proverb. And my name is Curtis, big guns never tire, or Huron, who actually think I know who that is, I believe. Um, welcome everybody to the next episode of Scattered Dice with the Scattered Guys. Um, we're looking to do a, a shorter, lighter episode today, and just in regards to the general condition of a lot of things going on in the world, it's nice to uh, step away to somewhere lighter for a bit. So, and we're titling this Silver Linings, um, which in retrospect... And, you know, silver linings means there's, like, tiny bits of good things in all the darkest scenarios, but I don't know how. <laughs> like, you know, maybe some of the situation in the Eastern Europe, silver linings into 40K. I'm sure we can draw some parallels here. Anyways, like us on Facebook, Instagram. Every once in a while, we post on there. We try to keep it going. Um, but be sure to find us the more... Um, activity we get the more obviously uh it encourages us to even um share and post more on there so before we get into the main topic of silver linings we'll probably have some heated discussion maybe around the price hikes or whatnot um before we get all uh happy and <laughs> ignoring anything going on in the world we'll, <laughs> we'll oh take a moment to at least be angry about things um so let's talk about some news first and get into hobby updates get into what we've been into so steven i want you to start um if you would like to start with you know something that's uh, more fresh news than anything else that's totally fine okay well uh i guess regarding the the gw news yeah they have their new price hikes which is a big pain in the butt for everyone um not too happy about it and it's made me just sort of think about my purchases more yeah, especially just with the codexes i think they're just a little too expensive now and price you know prices always go up they're never going to really come back down and with the current way the game is going a lot of codexes are becoming like not usable the way they're printed right away like there's changes pretty immediately so that just leaves a bad taste in my mouth and i know i don't play very often <laughs> but it's the principle of the thing i think no one wants to buy something that's out of date right away uh, but on a positive note I have been able to do a lot of hobbying. I've been painting uh, a squad of 20 boys here and there when I have time, and it's going along pretty quickly. Um, I've been experimenting with a new rust paint that's pretty fun. All you've got to do is put it on there, and then you start wiping it off with a damp brush, and it uh, activates it and looks really cool. Uh, so I'm doing that for all the all the metallics for them. And what else? I've been 3D printing quite a bit, actually. The other last weekend, I printed out um, some orc commandos, and they look pretty dope. And I was really pleased with how much detail they have without looking too, uh, like, obviously 3D printed. There's a few layer lines, but not too bad. This did look also... really good. I've, to interrupt you, Stephen, I, yeah. he, so Stephen sent us pictures of those, and it looked... 
just like you get from GW. I thought, yeah. I mean, from pictures, you know, it looks very, very impressive. And I, to be fair, I am a little iffy on the this file specifically because it is pretty similar to GW to GW stuff. Uh, but that's the only thing I bought from that particular person. Um, and the other thing I started printing was those uh, Imperial Guard models that I was talking to you, Matt, about the um, they're like proxies for the Maccabian Janissaries. They all have like hoods and they have like a death mask on. Uh, so they came out pretty cool too. Not not quite as detailed as the uh, orc guys were, but um, I'm pretty pretty pleased with them. So, very nice, very nice. Yeah, I got a lot of got a lot of resin I got to use, so I'll be going on to that. Uh, but that's enough about my stuff. What about uh, you, Matthew? What have you been up to? Um, since we last talked, um, I don't know if I I don't know if I had played a game. No, I had not. Um, so uh, first and foremost, I uh, continued and I got pretty much all my Black Templars um built and uh base coded and then um i when we'll talk about it a little bit later i kind of had some hobby revelations um which were really good ones actually yeah. um and kind of put me in a better place um and i'll i'll i, I kind of want to bring that in with that the price hike talk that we'll get to in the main uh topic um but at the end of the day um i kind of divested myself like i was saying of a lot of the older or, or some of the models that i just i was never going to do anything with or I'd, they'd been in boxes for years and i just i had no desire to build them or anything so making a little bit m more hobby money back on the other side um of that so that that felt kind of good um and then i um played a good very 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 fun game on um tabletop simulator with uh dirty mike and so we we did my first crusade game and i'm telling you right now like steven you need to get a game of crusade in okay. like um if it, like maybe you can talk to mike maybe you guys can do it i don't know if you have tabletop simulator but he set up everything i sent him my list the night before he had literally everything set up um have your books nearby so you can kind of reference those but like it's not competitive at all. Um, it was pretty fun. Uh, there's, uh, if you haven't looked in your codex at the crusade section, in terms of like the things you can do, um, it's pretty cool. Um, yeah. And I think it's something that, like even Goonhammer, I think they're really known for their competitive reviews and stuff like that, or their just general reviews. But they do a codex, like a crusade review, alongside every codex, and I, I think that kind of looks gets downplayed a little bit, mm. but it's really fun. Um, it was, it was probably the most fun I've had playing 40 K in a long time. Um, and the game, you know, if it, it still, still sucks to have like 20 models get wiped off the, the face of the table. But like at the end where you're doing a little bit of that, like RPG element as well, it's pretty cool. And like when you, cause you have to name all of your characters and your squads and stuff like that. Oh, really? Um, and, and your tank, like you have to, um, so that you can like level them up properly and stuff. Um, so if, if you haven't, um, please do. It was my black Templars versus his thousand sons. 
um, and not trying to metagame at all or anything, but I, uh, I don't know if he forgot. Um, but I have, you know, the black Templars have the innate five up invulnerable against, uh, mortal psychic wounds. powers or mortal wounds. I probably feel no pain against mortal wounds. So where he had, he had done very well in another game, just spamming out mortal wounds. There was a lot of times I was making my, my, uh, my mortal wound save. Um, so there was a lot of faith in the emperor being had, nice. which was very, very thematic. Um, my emperor's champion did nothing like <laughs> literally just like stood in circles around the middle of the tape, like the table. And, um, it was just, it was just a, eh. um, my chaplain though, I had a chaplain on foot and that guy was a monster. Um, I gave him, a uh relic crozius um and then i gave him a warlord trait and i that uh that made him stronger uh-huh. and like plus one attack so plus one strength plus one attack and then he gave himself the black templar litany that increases strength as well and uh-huh. so every time i was i was attacking i had like five or three more attacks than i normally had and then i was hitting i was like strength 10 <laughs> just just going in and walloping things um and then uh in, um, the the tabletop tactics tarot game mm-hmm. so the, the guy was playing space marines and um <laughs> so the tower commander came in and tried to like one shot the the chaplain and then the the chaplain basically just one one hit the how commander that's pretty great um no there's some really cool stuff and then uh so it was a lot of fun and then i got to add things to my army afterwards haven't done anything with it since but it was a lot of fun and then i uh so like one of the relics because you can get crusade specific relics to give your guys um the emperor's champion can have the 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 black sword of sigismund and it's like it oh it's so good and it's so cool um (laughs) so if you guys if you're listening and you haven't tried crusade let this be the wake up call. Go try Crusade, Stephen. Yeah, please try to get a Crusade game in. It's so much fun. Um, and then I started painting, so I finished. I finally finished the Terminator Librarian for my Deathwing uh, for my Dark Angels um, that I started eight months ago. Uh, so I finished him, and then I finished the Emperor's Champion for my Black Templars, and then I finished. I just finished uh, a squad of five Terminators this morning. Uh, for my my Deathwing Terminators, my Deathwing Knights, and then I was working on a Tau Commander that I just wanted to pick up as something. And I'll tell you right now, um, I just kind of I, I made sure it was like a legal build, but it was more so like like I'm gonna make this, uh, you know, I'm gonna build this kind of what I think would be like a smart thing to do. And it's by no way is it an optimal build or anything like that, um, but it is. Um, it was lots of fun, and I'd never done a Tau model before ever. It's like the only faction uh, I've never tried to paint a model from them. And so it was like this cool, uh, not to quote Frozen, but I was going into the unknown. Um, and so it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun, and I ended up on a uh, white, blue, and orange color scheme that's kind of like their um, Viola, but instead of red, I did blue and orange which is also my alma mater colors, but I didn't realize that until my wife pointed it out in the <laughs> aftermath. 
Um, that's cool pride. Uh, yeah. Pride. Um, so that was, uh, that was about it. And then I, um, I was, uh, I was gifted a very, very kind gift from a, uh, a good friend. Um, so I'm excited to, uh, get that Sigismund book, uh, signed by John French. So that'll be, I really hope it's a good book too. Like, like it would be bad if it was like, Oh, this is such a terrible book. That was like, I'm really glad I didn't get the entire time. I really wanted to get the lion Primark book, like the special edition. Um, and I found one secondhand that was like $300 and I was like, okay, well, like maybe I can save up for this. And then I read the lion Primark book and I was like, well, you know, I like it, but like not $300 worth. <laughs> not so, um, uh, and then I think that's, I think that's about it for me. Um, I'm trying to get some Horus Heresy models done because I'm trying to get my Dark Angel Horus Heresy stuff off the ground. So then I can work on some, um, Imperial Fist Horus Heresy stuff. Not going to try to do an army of Imperial Fists, just doing some Sword Brethren and Rogaldorn, kind of like a little display. Um, but I would like, it'd be really cool. I think if I could have a Dark Angels, uh, Deathwing army, um, and then uh, we'll go from there. And then I should uh, I should also say this will probably be my last episode for a good long while. Um, and Dirty Mike will be filling in for me whenever he can um, and, until I'm able to, to podcast again. How about you, Kurt? What have you been up to? I was going to say, and we'll be, we'll be missing you, Matt. <laughs> um, can I just ask what, more about that book? This, what, the second edition is like 300 bucks? Here's, oh, what is that? What so, so you know the the Primarchs, right? For the yeah. so Games Workshop um, did a a separate book for each Primarch, and they released um, a special edition version of each of those books. Um, and it's so it's like really a really really nicely bound book, and then the cover is instead of just like cover art. Um, it's like this like symbolic thing. So it'll generally have like the Legion symbol on it and it's holographic and it's, it's very, very nicely done. They're very well done. Um, and I think when it was initially released, I think it was like a hundred dollars or maybe something like that. But then someone was trying to resell it for like $300. Cause they only, when, whenever they do it, um, they only have limited ones. So I gotcha. Okay. Wow, so how many, they probably printed just a couple hundred total? Roughly. Yeah, I think so. I When I um, ordered it for him, uh, I think I only had like 2,500 copies. And I just checked the website right now, and it's uh, sold out. So that's 2,500 wow. copies for the entire world. So not, there's not that's a lot. Oh. There's lots of people who play, you know, so. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Nice. Um, but it is All a right. pretty nice looking book, though. It's got some unique uh, artwork and stuff. So. I'm gonna have to look that up. Um, you should. What about you, Kurt? You you have actual news to talk about this time. I do have some. Yes, thanks to you guys. <laughs> I, I forget if our last podcast was like three weeks ago or like you know a month and a half ago. I think, so. I think we had. You talked about getting the things, but you hadn't gotten to them yet. So right, so 
So yes, to, to small recap, I got orcs from um, the generosity of Matt and Steven. And what is it, two buggies and then the uh, patrol box, I believe it was. Uh-huh. So I mean, it was really my first time building models in years. Um, you know, I guess two or three years building. Maybe just two years. Um, the last time, yeah, was those those neck necrons you got frustrated. Right, with. and so that was. Yeah, you know, I don't think those have changed. And that one, I mean, building those kind of turned me off. <laughs> it was so hard to <laughs> I don't blame took hours to build like ten warriors. And when I was going through stuff back at home, I realized I still have another box of warriors, you know, in the wrap. And I think I'm I'm just. I was like, oh, there's no wonder these are untouched. Um, but you know, I. And then that's one other thing when I was going so I was kinda of going through stuff and I was back at base camp, you know, sort of going through old forty K and whatnot and kinda of taking note of what I do and don't have. I still have so compared to you, Steven, or even you, Matthew, yeah. I don't I definitely have not nearly as much quantity of models if you compare in volume. Yeah. But I still have a lot. Like I have a pretty decent sized Necron army. I have a bunch of Tyranids that are actually, they're all built and painted and based and everything, and I, I almost kind of forgot about them, but, you know, you open this box and you take out that foam and take out this foam, and it's like, boom! It's like, you know, 30 Tyranid models just sitting down there. I'm like, wow, yeah, I remember these. <laughs> I, I was so excited to paint those because they had such a simple paint scheme of just dry brushing with blue and then doing some yellow highlights. And I remember back then we were talking about how if you have like a very basic scheme you get you're like oh this isn't a big you know undertaking like i can definitely do this army in a reasonable amount of time and that was yeah. the same thing with the necrons because i just spray painted those white and then highlighted them with some some purples and doing the orbs and whatnot and that's kind of it and you, know, you make the bases look good and suddenly they're uh pretty attractive so so yes i got started on the orcs uh, that y'all sent me so far, I've done some of the boys. I've done the war boss, and I've done one of the squid buggies. I think it's the shock jump dragster. It, no, I think it's the other one. The the other oh, one? the boom snaz wagon. That one. Thank you. Yes, <laughs> I built the snaz wagon, and um, the snaz wagon was actually. It took some time to build. Uh, the really? instructions were fantastic, but just it was a lot of little pieces and kind of figuring out, you know, some, you know, with the motor or the vehicle like that, it's very symmetric. So a lot of the parts were symmetrical across the vehicle, but you have to kind of realize, okay, this this part needs to go here or across even just one of the orcs in the car. So it took, you know, some mental like, okay, yeah. but which part am I gluing in here correctly? Did you Did you find it enjoyable compared to like, I don't know if you could remember back in the day building like... Lehman Russes or Baneblade or something. Yeah. Uh, That's the same yeah. kit. It's still the same kit. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> it, it's about that same level and definitely, yeah, kind of peaceful. Um, but building that the, um, war boss, that was extremely peaceful because it was just the little um, you know, snug the fits, the pegs. Yeah, and that yeah. was sweet. Like Ikea yeah. furniture. Yeah, really. Uh, I, I struggled a bit at one point just getting like the head in the right spot with everything else and kind of the order. And I did have to use some glue, but most of the time I didn't use any glue at all. Was, but that so was neat he- to me. The head is always like on every model. I always wait till the end to do the head. 
sometimes it'll put you like the head will be in the middle or something like that. But I always wait to the end because sometimes you got to mess with arms or something doesn't go quite the way you want it to. Right. Um, but if you do the head last, you can always kind of fix the posing, I feel like. So even if it wanted you to, him to be looking forward and you mess something up and he's kind of got a weird angle to him now, if you if you got the head, you can kind of make it to where he's like turned or looking up or doing something that makes it look more natural. Yeah, well, right. the crazy thing is with this war boss, because I have the same kit as Kurt, is his head is like his tongue is part of his head. <laughs> and you put his face like over his tongue so you really can't you have to like put it on there and then go back in and like saw off his like neck slash tongue and then repose <laughs> it if you wanted to repose him okay yeah maybe not in that case maybe don't yeah, mess with it in that it's, case it's a little unfortunate <laughs> and his head is kind of encased in his you know um, mecha armor helmet and so you yeah. have to kind of fit it in there and then put the arm in front of him and it has like a you know huge I don't know if it's like a magazine sticking out of the uh, bolt gun or something but it's just it, that that took some conniving to get in there, um, yeah. but the rest of him was extremely easy. And I liked how he pegged onto the base. That was, yeah, and I'm glad they got rid of the slits. I don't know if they do that anymore. Um, no, just probably the old, any well remaining old kits. Okay, but I was it was enjoyable. Yeah, definitely. And so I built those, and got my black spray paint. I I think I bought the wrong can, or they filled up a flat can with. The shiny spray paint. I don't know if anyone's ever heard of that case. Very weird. It's happened. Yeah, so I bought another one from another brand, and it was it worked so much better. So I spray painted all those, and I have them all black and ready to go. And then I recently just moved um, to another state, and so I brought everything I kind of need to start painting. So that's that's my kind of where I'm at, and where I I'm going to try to do is uh, paint those models and base them. I'm going to get that Martian terrain. I don't know exactly what it's called. But that's kind of where I'm thinking um, what I'm going to do. Paint them and then do the Martian terrain on them. Maybe put some grass clumps. Love I, yep. For some reason, I just I love putting grass on models. I think it's one of the most satisfying things of the whole process. Just get some so, school glue and put grass. I don't know. It just makes them look so great. So the... the the end of my mod every time I like the, the finishing moves of my my model is like everything's done like I've put the, the basing material on so for me it's just the GW spread I've done the wash I've done the dry brush and then like the last thing is I paint a I, I paint the rim black and then I put uh, I stick the, the grass on so like the little gla- grass clumps I've got and I just plop and then Boom! It's oh, it's just it feels so good to be doing that like victory lap around the uh, the uh, the base of the model, and then bloop! Oh, so good. Yes, very cathartic. Yeah, yeah, it's a good moment. Uh, one thing I am debating, and, and this is coming more into play as I'm kind of figuring out which paints I want to buy um, and get on order and whatnot, is you know I was looking at the codex and I was reading online as well before. I want. I like. I really like the yellow color of the okay. the bad moons. I like. I just like the contrast. Like it's kind of a bold, bright yellow, and it kind of makes me think of the old works that Stephen had. Um, some of them are just you know. So it's an obnoxious color, which I think yeah. it should be. <laughs> and so, like gold yellow, I like that color. But I was reading the. Oh 
kind of the story and the lore behind each of the clans. And is it? I think it's the Death Skulls, the ones that are very thrifty. Yeah. Um, and very like. And I, at one point, I read that they're kind of like gypsies, and I'm like, oh, that's perfect. <laughs> and so I kind of, so I'm kind of figuring out how how to mend or meld those two things. I could do like a. Know, some very wealthy bad moons that are also thrifty and gypsy-ish or something. So kind of, or, you know, Death Skulls pretending to be bad moons and they paint themselves yellow so people think they're rich, but really they just never pay their bill. And, uh, you know, you could, you, I mean, you could make your own like custom thing, but mix if you like those two. And I'm sure Steven would have a good recipe for the color I'm about to say, but if you mix blue and yellow, you get purple. Green. Oh, purple? Oh, is it green? Oh boy! Wait, blue and is blue and yellow? Is it green? Blue and red is yellow. Yeah, blue and red is purple. Oh, okay, blue and red. Yeah, never mind. Don't listen to me. Um, <laughs> what are you saying? Yellow and is it yellow and blue? Yellow and yellow and blue would be purple. I don't know why I no, got it's... there. My uh, green, green, green. Googling blue and yellow. Don't, don't do green on green. I lo- look. I love tabletop tactics, but when they bring out their like green orcs, like the color of the armor's green, and then they're all green orcs, it just looks like it's like this just glowing green effect. Um, I think their models look great. I love tabletop tactics, huge fan, but I hate those orcs. <laughs> I won't do green on green. Don't worry. Well, that'd be too much green. Absolutely. So, anyways. That's mostly where I'm at. That's kind of the story. It was it was a lot of fun spray painting them too. It's just yeah, it's been a while since I've done that stuff. It's it's fun. Absolutely glad you're back at it. Yeah, yep. it's good to see you back in the hobby, mean my dude. Um. Oh, really quickly, I did try to read two books or listen to two books. Okay. Um, I tried reading uh, the Burning of Prospero or Prospero Burns. I got about four hours into it, and I you haven't met any named, or as far as I'm, maybe I'm not as space wolf savvy as I thought, but like they're still just like hanging around and being kind of funky about things. I I don't know. I'm I'm yeah. kind of bored. It's the first horse heresy book I've ever been bored in. Um, and then I tried listening to the Farsight book. Okay. Um, First, I've also I've realized that like the narrator does it for like plays a big part in yeah. me enjoying the story. And the narrator of the far side book, he talks like this. <laughs> and like it would be a really good Slaneshi book. Like this guy would be real great in that. Um but for the far side book, it kind of just annoys me. Uh but I've kind of pressed on. And I think it's really cool. Um, I think they've they've done a good. Once again, I really think the tower. A uh, I, I go against the haters who say the tower don't belong. I, I really think they do. I think they're part of the the forty k universe, and I think they're yeah. really cool. The one thing I didn't like is um, they like a lot of times in when it's like Imperials versus Chaos, the Imperials never really figure out exactly what's going on. They just kind of push through. The, the the bad guy's plot. They just kind of punch their way through. And maybe this is just me reading a tower book for the first time, but um, there's a lot of scenes in there, at least I felt, where Farsight just kind of like watches a video and he's like, they were hungry for pita chips. Quick, cut them off at the pantry. And it's like, oh, you analyzed that from the, the video? Um, and, and you know what? I might be being a little harsh before I get positive. Um, 
but yeah, not not a huge fan of it so far. Cool. I'll let you be harsh a little longer, Matt, as we get into the main topic because I can't see how you're going to be too positive about it. <laughs> so the main topic today, you already mentioned, I already mentioned that it's silver linings, and we're going to be talking about some happier things going on and uh, things we're enjoying looking at. But I want to start with some of the negative one, and just because uh, you know Stephen kind of got to give his uh, opinion on it earlier, the price hikes. Go ahead and start with that, Matt. You said you were going to um, explain where you're sitting. You, obviously, you're not a fan. No one's ever going to be a fan of something like that. Um, yes. So, um, and I'll try to be try to be concise. So, I actually so obviously when I don't I don't like the price hikes, um, but um, I'm not really bothered by them. To be completely honest. Um, I, Kurt, you've seen my wall of shame. Yeah, um, it, you guys can see it behind me right now. Like I have models, I have models to to paint in excess. Oh, I've got some, yeah, I've got some in boxes. I've got some in, um, that are built and just need to be primed and painted. I, I mean, I I have models. I've got multiple armies. Like with what I have right now, I could stop painting and I could play games. For a good long while um and so i'm also um you know i'm expecting a uh, a child in the the relative near future um and so i'm trying to kind of save money anyways and so all it's doing for me is really making me consider and you know what my hobby purchases are going to be so instead of hopping on ebay and seeing you know four forge world models that i really want I I'm kind of saying like, okay, well, I can't really afford any of those uh, right now. And I don't really need them because at the end of the day, you know, they're not going out of, you know, they're not going to go out of stock anytime soon. And I've got plenty of other stuff to buy. Um, I'm not a competitive gamer, so I'm not trying to, you know, buy what the hot thing is and, you know, paint it up real fast and get on the table and use it while it's good type deal. I'm I'm more of a fluffy guy. I, I, I do want to be a little bit more competitive, but right now this is not in the cards. So for me, the price hike was just kind of a wake-up call to be like, you've got stuff you could do right now. Um, and I know that I actually, some of the models I gave away to sell, I, I took them back. Um, and I was like, I, you know, I, I still want to paint these. I still like this army. Um, and so, like, uh, initially I'd actually given away those Death, Deathwing Knights. Um, and they were on the chopping block and I was like, you know what, actually, no, just give them back. And I'm really glad I did. And so, you know, I did make a hobby purchase. Um, my wife actually got the Aldari codex. She's trying to start a Yanari army. Uh, she really likes some of those things. She really likes the dark Eldar stuff kind of eh, on the Eldari stuff. So we're going to, she got the codex and she's going to read it. And she was reading the dark Eldar codex in bed the other day and asking me questions and such. But for me, it just, it just makes me use my hobby dollars very, 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 very carefully. Yeah. And I think that's a positive thing. And yeah. um, it, I kind of went from like, okay, I need to have one army and I need this to be my spirit army and all these other things. And um, so I, I kind of uh, thank you to uh, Tanya from the uh, 
the uh, Forge the Narrative podcast and all her stuff, because uh, listening to her in in that podcast, you know, talking about her kind of hobby stuff made me reflect on my hobby stuff and kind of realize that, you know, I don't need all I don't need all these things. Um, I have a lot of stuff that I, I could paint um, and I'm very happy with it. So um, I'm just going to keep saving up. And, and, you know, if there's a cool model set or I, I get to the point where I've gone through the stuff that I have and maybe it's like, oh, I need three troop choices to have this complete army. OK, well, I can buy another troop choice. Um, but right now I don't I don't need anything. So and and I think it kind of goes back to our discussion last time of. I think the price hikes really hurt competitive people because they are the ones who are going to have to buy more, more often and including books and stuff. If, if you're a kind of a casual gamer, you know, it just makes you use your stuff a little bit more. And I like the three of us, we have stuff to, to, to paint right now. So the, the books are, are getting pretty expensive. If I buy it, you know, it's got the rule. It's got the rules that I want to see. Crusade rules haven't been evagued ever so if i if i really want to just play a whole bunch of crusade games and then dabble in competitive stuff then yeah um you know it's it's not really a big financial investment for me i'm not gonna buy the the what are they called the um they said they're gonna come out like quarterly or something um oh yeah the season thing yeah i i have no interest in the season stuff um and so right like i'm not gonna the 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 Essentially, the the quarterly books that they're kind of come out with, I don't really really want those, uh, and so I'm okay. I'm I'm just okay with this stuff right now. Um, yeah. I would like them to give me more books, and I just need more time. That's what I need. If I could buy time, that'd be great. <laughs> um, and I just ask people, just remember, this is a hobby. You know, like it, like you were saying, Kurt. Like it, it took time to build that that boomdock a snaz wagon like unless you're gonna go and buy three of them so you can get it on the table and smash your you know your opponent's face um then you can sit and you can enjoy that process um and actually that that was kind of my thing is i don't think i'll i think i might might get a you know buy a, a 3d printed model off of steven every once in a blue moon but i don't think i'll ever get a 3d printer just because like i think i value the building aspect too much at this point that I would, I, other than bits and stuff, like, I don't want to, I don't want to like, I need to be spending less money on that stuff either anyways. So I don't want to take that part away. Um, so not to, not to 3d printing is 3d printing. Like please hobby the way you want. But, um, yeah, so that's my take on the, the other stuff. Um, I feel bad. This is my positive spin on Tau and Eldari. I feel bad for those people because I think those are really hard to balance books. And I, I don't think that's so much on the competitive and really custodies too. Um, and gene stealer calls for the last four codexes, I think are really hard to do right where you're trying to make it so people can get on the table and, and be competitive and such. But I feel like those armies in particular are really hard to be like, this is a strong army. And just leave it at that. Or and I and I feel like it's either with those four books, it's either they are a terrible army in the case of Jeed Steeler cults having been pooped on for the last like three years. Um, or in the case of Eldari and Tau and sometimes Custodies right now, Custodies like they just terrorize people for however long. So I feel bad for those communities because 
Um, but the it's new, a tough the place to be. Have been received well. Yes, they've definitely been received well, but like there's definitely been some stuff in all three of those codexes that have come out where it's really strong. Like oh, I see. Re- like I you're and, they're weak. Sorry. No, 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 no. All three of them I think are really really strong. I think the gene stealer one, I think people just said it's a little complicated. It's not bad or anything. Yeah, that's not like, is though. Yeah, and I I think that's good. I think you need stuff like that, but like uh I think in one of the reviews they were like You'll take this Tau Sept, which is like their chapter tactic. It's like, th- you'll take this Tau Sept if you want to make people feel terrible. And like, it's kind of a kind of a rough place to be if, if, if that's like your army. Then you're like, oh, yeah, I've had this army for a long time. You show up and it just so happens to be the new competitive thing. Like, it just wipes people off the table. And you don't have to. You can take other things. You don't have to build the most competitive. But yeah, it's a tough place to be in. How about you, Steven? Uh, well, I want to, yeah, I was going to say something similar to what you were saying, where, like, we all have surplus models, for sure. And I think something I heard on another podcast was, uh, assuming you didn't just impulse buy everything all the time, which is a different problem. Everything you have in your, in your, your closet of opportunity or whatever, or shame or whatever you want to call it, is, um, something that you were excited about at one point, so... You know, just go through what you got and be like, why did I like this? And try to get, like, reignite that spark of interest in, in that project. Um, it's easy when you don't have time to feel like purchasing is a way to stay in your hobby, you know, because you're like, oh, I'll buy this. And then that'll add to my army. It makes you feel involved without having to do actual any work. Um, but yeah, I think the, yeah, the price hikes are basically just going to make me buy less and that's not a bad thing i got plenty of games workshop products to build that i have um what about you curtis you're just getting back in and i don't think you're necessarily going to buy anything in the future in the immediate future since you have a a pretty good chunk of orcs to get through oh yeah um i mean one hey i read the you know their release of course, and the single page of them announcing how it's going to go up. And I do appreciate slash respect how they kind of making the note that they're not increasing the price of, you know, stuff for new hobbyists to join in, you know, some of those starter sets. And then also, like, the hobby stuff, the paints, the brushes, all the terrain stuff, whatnot. Um, because... I mean, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm not new to the hobby, but, you know, as you're slowly getting into it, if you start seeing all those other products going up, that kind of does put a dampener on it. So, you know, I plan on buying some paints, and so that's good. It's not going up. Um, but, yeah, certainly I'm not, you know, I don't have any immediate plans to buy more models or whatnot. So, you know, them increasing the pricing is not a shocker considering the, what's you know, inflation and what's going on. But every company, of course, uses that. I like their transparency. Uh, I've seen other companies do similar things where they say, oh, this is the prices that will increase. It's the same BS reason why as everyone else, but here's what we're increasing, here's what we're not. This is what we're trying to do to make it more palatable for you. So it's not the greatest, but I do like the communication that they're doing. And to kind of say, give a date, this is when it's happening. So if you want to try to you know, save five percent on this monster new army you're about to do. Do it before then. Yeah, it is. That is a 
good move on their part. That's kind of nice. Yeah, in the past they've just done it, so I think that was a step in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But some things stuff, didn't go up the prices they said they were going to go. They're like, oh, only a few things. That's my only gripe is that a few things went up like ten plus percent that weren't necessarily listed on there. Um, but that's that's I'm trying to be positive, I guess. So I'll stop talking. <laughs> Everyone is in the same boat. Everyone yeah. feels the same way. No one likes paying more for the same thing, obviously. It, the stuff is expensive. You know? It is. And, and, and I think, and they're, you know, it's always been a pricey thing. I mean, it, it, it takes a lot of work to make these. But what one thing I've noticed is I feel like they're offering bigger packages and more exclusive kind of artwork-related things more than they used to. And maybe... I'll remember it more than I do, but you know, if I'm talking ten plus years ago, didn't have as many, you know, framed artwork and special edition books and whatnot. Like I was just looking at, what was it called? Uh, you know, the Tau, called the Fire Cased Reconnaissance Detachment. I've never seen something so many models for sale on this site. Um, you know, five hundred dollars oh, yeah. worth, and it comes with the framed special artwork and the dice and the cards. Yeah. probably like a hundred models it's like to you know a, a serious hobbyists you know almost a year's worth of tau to take care of and do and use and yeah they're 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 going big with the offerings yeah. and trying to um i think another thing to like put it into context is remember that this is a luxury hobby <laughs> like yeah. no one needs <laughs> any of this like um so yeah i mean just yeah, on this positive side, it just it definitely makes you appreciate what you got more. Hey, and if you got things just lying around, they're appreciating value is one way to look at it, you know? <laughs> like those boxes you bought for less are now worth more if you haven't opened them. Um But there's lots of ways to get around it too. You can buy used models, there's nothing wrong with used models a lot of the time. Uh you can also there's discount places to buy things. Um, or you can 3D print uh, alternative models. I wouldn't. I don't advocate printing like direct copies. Um, but yeah, uh, in terms of like the content that they're producing to sort of advance the show, but uh, with the Tau and the Eldari releases, is that they're cool. Like I really like the the new models they made for the Eldari. They were in dire need of a range refresh and while the rumor is has held true that it's not a full range refresh i think it has breathed a lot of life back into the range um not it's nice to see that like um those, those eldar guardians actually have a new kit and they were old um and have some like new stuff too that's not just a you know a direct free uh like refresh they have a that new grav like platform that comes with them. I think one one option is like a gun, and then the other option is like a shield. Um, the uh, scout uh, jet bikes are pretty cool. Um, I don't I haven't looked at like the rules for any of the new things, but um, I think it's a little funny having scouts with like camo cloaks on a giant, uh, which a giant jet bike, which I can imagine is probably not quiet. <laughs> Um, but they, hey, man, they look cool, and you know they're wearing red armor and they're wearing 
<laughs> the camo cloaks is also sort of funny, but <laughs> um, but they're cool. They're really cool. I like. I do like the Samhan, which is the that red color scheme. Kurt, uh, I think they're really cool looking. The previous poster boys was like that green and white, uh, right color scheme. Back when I think when you were playing, that was the box art. Okay. I'm, go I'm but, looking at them more right now. Yeah. Uh, and the characters are coming out with their cool. Um, and then Tau, they didn't really. I can't remember how many new models they had. They have. Um, oh gosh, that new character, Dark Dark Strider. I want to say. I'm not being a very good. Didn't do my research apparently. Um, but I've always, you know, I've had a love hate relationship with Tau. Um, I think the. They, people love to hate Tao, um, but I think their aesthetic is pretty interesting. It's definitely different from everything else. Um, the there is yeah definitely that like Gundam influence with all the battle suits and stuff. But I've really liked the um, armies that I've seen painted that either go into like really realistic camo color schemes which i think is really fitting for tau because they seem to be you know all about trying to get the best advantage they can and having um having your units match the terrain they're in is probably a good idea versus you know space marines running around seven feet tall wearing bright yellow armor on a on a on a volcanic uh planet or something standing out like a sore thumb um <laughs> And they sort of look cool when they people do battle damage Tau as well. I like it personally. I like yeah. my models to look like they've been through the ringer uh, versus fresh off the uh, assembly line. You always told me that when I was building the you know Imperial Guard tanks, you know Deptus Mechanicus, Lemon Rust, and Bane Blade. You're like, you gotta weather them. They look too shiny. I I liked them. I like them shiny, fresh off. The yeah, that, that, it's all shiny. You, you and you and Matt love that, which is good. <laughs> So as I see it, because I'm, you know, I do all my space marines, like, they literally have an army of people who just, like, take care of their armor when they're not in battle. So if you're setting your stuff up like it is about to go into battle, then they should look, like, well done and well kept and everything. I feel like if it's an orc, though, you could just go crazy I, I i mean that's that's why i think honestly that uh, i think it'd be really fun to do a um death guard army because you could just go especially if you do the heresy colors on them oh, oh yeah looks, you paint them white, so good. and then you throw them in your your flower bed and you just turn on the hose <laughs> <laughs> and then you seal them after that's amazing um try that That'd be interesting um so yeah yeah we were talking about um I had to go to the bathroom. Sorry. The, yeah, we were talking about the uh, the new releases for Tau and Eldari. I was talking about to Kurt how we enjoyed the uh, camo cloak uh, stealth jet bikes. <laughs> so, silly, but... so my biggest problem whenever I build an army is I like infantry. Uh-huh. And so I always, like the bane of my existence are tanks. Because I like that was my big thing is like, I'd be like, okay, you got these elite infantry and these other infantry. Yeah, I got this. And then you'd put a vehicle or like a monster or something. Like, oh, I've got swords and bolt pistols. Like, I've got nothing to deal with this. So, like, in all the armies I'm working on now, 
it's always like, okay, anti-tank, anti-tank, anti-tank. I've got a lot of eradicators. Um, I know they've got really cool releases. Um, I think yeah, the, the Eldari, they just need a little bit more. We good to go. Um, but I wanted to post something to you guys, which is part of the reason I wanted to talk about this. So units that I would like to see in 40k at some point is I would really like to see pure support based units. Okay. And I mean that in like let's say uh like Imperial Knights, right? Where you could get like a little like loader bot thing and like it has no or you know no limited to no offensive capabilities. Maybe it's just like really tough or something like that. But all it does is buff your units. So it's like, okay, this thing is not going to take objectives. It's not going to kill anything. But, you know, if it's within two inches of my night model, then I get to shoot twice or yep. I increase the AP by one or something like that. Um, and, you know, I'd really like, especially in like the Imperial Guard and the Tau, where you've got like a little bit more of a you know, a little bit more of a range of stuff that you can kind of work with, like medical, you know, not just like a medical unit, like the Apothecary for the space Marines or something like that, but like just like support units that their whole thing is just a buff. Um, I would really like to see that in the game because yeah, I mean, there are a couple of units like that. Um, the guard on forge world have a, like, uh, can't remember the name of it is, but it's a support vehicle and it gives like buffs to uh, tanks nearby. So it oh, that's pretty cool. It has no, real offensive capabilities um uh, yeah like it, if it's just like a guy with you know like a little mounted stubber or something like that like that'd be that'd be perfect but like the mechanicus i think that'd be a great place to do something like that yep. um the and... surf who uh yes sword. <laughs> yes i would polish the the, the the polisher the sword polishers but <laughs> i want to say that the, the first time i saw something like that in a game was actually an age of sigmar game i want to say they the goblins in Age of Sigmar have like the sneaky snufflers, and I, I, I'm pretty sure they have it's like the little truffle squigs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they have no offensive capabilities, if I'm correct. And all they do is buff. All they do is provide yeah. like buffs. Yeah. And like I think that'd be great. I would love to see that in like in 40k. Just like this is the truffle squig, and it gives like roll a d6, and you get like a random really good buff. And, uh, you know, something like that. I just think that would be so cool. And I would love, uh, when I was playing Age of Sigmar or had a Age of Sigmar army, I had the, the Caradron overlords and I thought it'd be really cool if they just had like a supply ship, like a trading vessel. Yeah. Um, cool. that just like generated you things. Oh, you could generate command points. That would be real cool. Um, so something like that. Yeah, and you know what? This makes me think of like you could make these units also have a lot more use in like crusade games, potentially like units that almost are exclusively made for uh, like crusade games. Like oh, I don't know, like yeah, imperial like adepts who are just there to like tally numbers. But if you have them there, they you I don't know, you get like a reroll to hit because you. If you you counted your bullets correctly this time, so you have enough ammo. Um, I don't know, what would you want to see in the game? 
I, I like that idea, but, you know, immediately I'm thinking there are kind of things like that, but not, I can't think of anything in a pure support function. Right. What first came to mind was the, I think it's just the tech priest and um, the Adeptus Mechanicus. Well, that would be, yeah. Um, yeah. I used him just by following the backside of the Bane Blade. He would just hide yep. by the door in that thing, and he, like, you want to avoid him getting any sort of combat whatsoever. He was constantly just repairing wounds and giving ballistic skill buffs to the Bane Blade. So, right. Yeah, there's like, so there's this. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. But I was going to say, I, and it was awesome. Um, and I think, and I do agree with you, Matt, because it can add another kind of dynamic to the game where obviously it's already, you know, there's a lot of rules to take advantage of and things going on. But suddenly when you have, you know, you know, more characters or more units impacting how other units are performing, just like commissars with guardsmen um, issuing orders or whatnot. It it kind of like takes up another step. Like when those guardsmen can suddenly turn on their flashlights twice to try to shoot something, they might kill it. And so it's a huge perk. <laughs> um, or like 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 with the guard for like like the anti aircraft stuff. Like if you had a um like a spotter vehicle, like a big, <laughs> a big radar vehicle and like all your anti-aircraft stuff, just like auto hits or something like that. And, and that's the point is like, you have to make the buff so good that people are like, I'm willing to give my destructive capabilities away in order to increase my, my other things, you know, like, um, I think I just think there's a lot of opportunity um, to to do stuff like that. Um, yeah, I was going to mention like there's the um, Song of Ice and Fire game. I actually where, looked at that, where you have these like non-combat characters like uh, Tyrion or you know like Cersei, where they sort of change. There's like a whole part of the game where there's things happening not on the battlefield, where they can like bring in like extra units or like debuff or buff. Uh, uh, units in the game and so like if you're playing a Lannister army it might play a little different depending if you bring Cersei as your non-combat uh, character or you bring Tyrion so like it would be interesting to bring that type of aspect into Warhammer um, and you do get that sort of uh, with taking different types of uh, HQs there you know there's not as many like named characters surprisingly, because everyone wants to make their own type of thing. Um, but, like, World Order traits, you know, by and large, only really affect themselves or, like, maybe one unit at a time. So maybe introducing these characters that add a whole other depth of army customization past, like, you know, oh, like, a past the chapter tactics type stuff. Like, so you have Ultramarines, they have their own chapter tactic. But then you get a difference if you take Marnie's Calgar versus Cato Sicarius or uh, Uriel Ventress, and they have different flavors that you can add. This adds a whole other depth of customizability, I think, that would I would find appealing. I imagine it would also uh, con contribute to <laughs> uh, the rules bloat quite a bit, but uh, maybe that's something they could do in like a new version of the game. I don't know. Like not narrative or or crusade but just his own different version 
sort of like well never mind anyway i don't know what do you guys think i definitely could see an issue with rules bloat um partly if you know both sides suddenly have you know multiple support functions on the field which you know it increases the ballistic skill of this yeah. you know this unit when it's targeting this type of unit but oh that unit is supported you know with a save because he's within this amount of support radius of this one then it and of course you know that's, that's somewhat obviously it sounds like a somewhat simple scenario but if everyone is suddenly supported a little bit all over the field then it's just like extremely active monitoring of the you know whatever buffs you're getting and so so kind of, of course, it could have changed kind of from when I was playing more. But, you know, the attacking player definitely is in the driver's seat of things going on, things happening around the field. It would then bring in, you know, both players would be really actively paying attention to see, oh, well, you know, because of this and this and this. It just adds more bloat to what can potentially impact um, you know, roles and stuff. Yeah, I could, I could see that. I, honestly, I think with with rules bloat it just needs to come down to that these like these campaign books and stuff that they're doing those need to be like those just need to be like hot fixes you know like you come out with four codexes and then you come out with a campaign book that fixes any major problems in them and then that's it so it's like we put out four codexes and then we let you like do whatever you need to do with those four codexes for six to eight weeks or, you know, not we'll say six, we'll say like, you know, four months, those codexes just, they go out into the, the public for six months. Um, and over those, you know, the first four months, they, they do all these things and they already have the stuff prepped. All they need to do is make the little minor changes and then they just pump those things out. Um, and honestly, that'd be a good digital thing, but no, I think I'd just like to see a little bit more variety in the, like, instead of the, here's my unit with 17 guns on it. Um, I'd like to see like this unit has zero guns, but if you put it on the table, everyone hits on a two plus, um, and it's like, it, it's, it's essentially just the trash can droid from star Wars, just bonk, bonk. <laughs> but, but it does, it does something to help your army. So. Um, yeah, like the I idea. Yeah, I think it's good. I think it's good. I think the game will definitely keep evolving, and I can't see why that wouldn't happen. Um, regardless if Games Workshop listens to this podcast or not, I think that kind of stuff will grow. Um, it seems like a a fair thing to do. I agree. All right. Well, that. More or less kind of concludes the main topic, I think. Is there any other positive things you were looking to talk about going on, Matthew or Steven? Just enjoy your hobby. Just enjoy your hobby <laughs> and play games and paint and be competitive, be narrative. Just go and enjoy your hobby. And, um, yeah, just have a great time. I don't agree. do anything that you don't want to do. Yep. If you're not having fun, reassess. Well said. Very well said. So let's take it into the final three corners of the podcast. And of course, we always start off with Steven in the hobby corner. Take it away. All right. So my little tip today is um, about metallics and an easy way to get a lot of variety out of maybe just even one paint. So um, 
a lot of metallic paints have you know metal shavings in them to give them that that metallic shine but also normal pigments to give them a different color so what you can do is you can have like a really bright silver and you can add like uh, black ink to it to make it a lot darker or you could even add blue ink to make it a blue like still silver or red um, so what I've started to do is just buy a very shiny bright metal which is uh, Vallejo Model Air um, their metallics range which is aluminum and then you can just add the inks to it and I've been adding uh, black ink to get a really nice dark metallic color and then you can just mix in less of it to get a brighter one and you can make your increments that way and i know that doesn't work if you're doing like large batches because you have to mix the paint either all at once and save it or have to remix it every single time and then it may not match but if you're just sitting there and you're like i don't have this particular silver instead of going out and buying it maybe you can just look into adding one of your other colors to it to see if you can get to that color so that's my little tip. That's a, that's a very good tip. I like that. Yeah. All right, Matthew, lore of the day. What do you got? All right. For so there is a planet in the 40K universe. Call, and it's, it was located in the Eye of Terror. It's now just part of the Sycadrix Maledictum um, called Olenius. Spelled O L I E N S I S. And the thing about that planet is that it's a Slaneshi planet, but it's not actually a planet. It is just a planet sized, morbidly obese man in the fetal position. And noise marines live inside of his pores and like use as a base of operation. And there's like hedonist cults and everything. Oh. And uh, yeah, super gross. That's disturbing. Yep, it's pretty. Very it's pretty grim, grim well. in the slanesh. Yep, <laughs> oh I spelled it because I knew Kurt was gonna look it up. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it just well, looks like a giant uh, butthole. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a real thing. Yep. What the hell? And in the yeah. R version of the <laughs> universe, there's all sorts of things. <laughs> oh God. Oh to bring up an accurate picture of this. I'm just getting memes right now. <laughs> There's a lot of memes. Just one obese man. That's that Yep, is, that's it. That's a very strange thing, Matthew. Yep. And now I you think guys that's know. That's the weirdest lore that you've ever shared. It is. I try. I, I try. I've never heard of that. It sounds Where did you find that? I look, I just look, some people do really well in school. I know 40k things. <laughs> <laughs> like Wow. Oh, okay. All right, Kurt, what's your wild guess? So my wild guess today is, you know, we were talking about Tau, and we were talking about the Aldari. That was on the 40K uh, website. And I just saw, you know, Tau under the Xenos category. And I've never thought, you know, whenever I picture, you know, that word Xenos, I always think of evil um, Tyranids or Orcs or something. You know, you got to fight and extinguish them. But the Tau, I mean, they're all a bunch of... You know, in my mind, a bunch of goody two-shoe, everyone's happy <laughs> okay. kind of army. And I don't know, I, you know, I think to some extent that's true. That's kind of what people think. They're very clean. They're very, you know, for the greater good. I know that is one of their mottos, and they they uh, yell that. But <laughs> um, 
my random guess, I guess, where I'm going with this is uh, they must be secretly evil or something. And, you know, they don't have any association with the Empire. I'm thinking they they um, don't associate with really any other faction, but they're extremely defensive and they have their own little enclave somewhere in the universe. And maybe they go out and do some kind of UN style, um, you know, feeding the poor and and helping out uh, with some eradication of you know, war or whatnot, you know, fight the chaos. But generally, they're probably, you know, probably not very nice people if consider their Xenos. I don't know. That's where I'm kind of going. They kind of, they kind of put on a front. Do they put on a front of being the good guys? Yes, you know, is that true? They're definitely... Um... You know they're definitely imperialists. They give people the option of joining or dying, basically. So they're like the Romans. But Matthew, okay. I think you know the new lore because they did change them originally to be a bit more. Originally, they were just like the goody two shoes, right? And right. then they okay. everyone was like, "That doesn't feel very 40k," which I would I would agree. Um, but they changed it to where it's a little bit more like an oppressive regime that is like coming off very very like pr friendly like they have an entire cast the water cast that are their like diplomats but also help like they create the propaganda videos that are blared everywhere and so actually in the farsight book the part i did like is that they they show a propaganda video and so it's like the imperial warehouse and the guy's slaving away and stuff like that and then it's like him in a tau thing and he's it's like fountains and he's got a family he's like picking up his and it talks about like human picks up human child like special effect here and like all <laughs> these things and like they're walking hand in hand with the tau and uh so it's it's very much like the like they get called the space communists, and I think that's just too much of a broad statement to fully incorporate them. But their propaganda stuff is very much like, you know, old Soviet Union of the the paintings of everyone like we're here together and all these things. Um, and then their newer kind of thing is that the uh, the like slit on their forehead that the um, ethereal cast have like a special thing there where they can like literally mind control people. And so what? in the in the book um like this guy essentially speaks out against the ethereals and so they bring his boss in and I I hope once again I was driving so I hope I I kind of get all this backstory but I know this part happens and the ethereals like oh this didn't go so well like he kind of he kind of said some things he was not supposed to and uh, she's kind of like nervously talking and stuff. And then he's like, she's standing there and they have these like bonding knives that they have. And the ethereal's like, inspect it. And she takes it out and she's looking at it and he's like, kill yourself. And then she like kills herself what? with the knife. And then they just like sweep her away. That's crazy. Okay. Um, no, I don't and then, away. and then if you look at the, uh, the, the, uh, uh, on way on va the the main ethereal he's yeah. dead it's a hologram and they just keep saying that he's alive but it's a hologram and then like the council of ethereals keeps his like thing going oh wow that's 
I like that. That's good. Yeah, story. it's it's <laughs> some good. And so, like in the in the Farsight book, they're talking about how like, oh, we want to like we're sending you to do this stuff, and the one guy's like, they're sending you away because you're a threat to them, and everyone gets like real uncomfortable and stuff. So, um, yeah, it's 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 good it's good stuff. Um, and there's actually the whole like manipulation thing in there's a book called The Blades of Damocles. And it's the ultramarines attacking the um, Tau when Cato Sicarius was a sergeant. And uh, there's a part where the other more level-headed marine is like holding a pistol up to this like Tau. And she's like, she starts speaking in perfect gothic. Like, Uh no, you don't. And it talks about how she's reaching for a gun slowly. And like, no, you don't. Like, we want to be friends. And the, the Space Marine's like, whoa, my head's kind of funny. Like, what's going on? And then out of nowhere, Kato Sakaris just sma- like just like smashes her with his boot. Just literally just like dies, you know, and just curb stomps her. Oh my god. And he's like, Don't listen to him. <laughs> and he's like, Oh, oh, that was crazy. So um, but yes, there's a lot of there's also a lot of like the Tao can sometimes be the voice of some of the, like the comments. So like in, in the books, the tower is like aim for the guys not wearing helmets or aim for the guys wearing the brightly colored helmets. Like those are the leaders. Like, so I know a lot of my wife, when she first saw this stuff, like why are all the leaders easily identified? Um, or not wearing helmets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and generally in the books, they, they pay for not wearing helmets because of the tower. But then there's the, the small cases where it's like, Oh, we shot him, but he just kept coming. And, uh, yeah, so there's a white scar book. The white scar gets up onto the motorcycle that's charging the thing and it gets blown up and he jumps off of it as it gets blown up and throws a spear and just like impales a crisis suit oh and they God. shoot him. But they're like, what the hell? Um, so there's some pretty cool stuff there. The tower are, are pretty cool. So, yeah, they are the bad guys, though. Everyone's the bad guy. Everybody yeah, there are no guys. Yeah, yeah, I'm getting that picture more and more. Yeah, I think. Yeah, <laughs> no one is quite good in that in that universe. Nope. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of the podcast. Um, thank you for listening in. Uh, as Matt had said earlier, it might be his last one for at least a little while. A little while. And Dirty Mike will be stepping in for a little bit. So yeah. that's it. That's all. All right. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. And I'll uh, I'll see you later. And I look forward to hearing some episodes from you guys. Send all right. me. All right. Goodbye, care, everybody. Everyone.